Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible with you, be opening it to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, and that's where we're going to be this morning. I realize we're skipping a little bit, um, but we've got some big plans for next year. And so uh, we're going to be doing something different in in 2020. And so we only have limited time left in 2019. And we got to pick and choose what we're going to do in Isaiah here. Um, I I will ask you to pray for um, 2020 in this congregation, about a week and a half. The leaders of this church will be a a meeting and talking about our vision for 2020 and planning for that. And so please be in prayer um, for for that meeting. But uh, this morning we want to turn our attention to Isaiah chapter 40 in the first few verses. And appreciate Jackson reading that scripture this morning. You'll hear some some echoes. Uh, from these verses that are found in the Gospels as well. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, and the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all the people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Well, the book of Isaiah is a a comprehensive book. You know, when we think of someone writing a book, we think of them maybe taking a a year or two to to, to put their thoughts together, to, to write them down, and then to publish their work. But the book of Isaiah is not like that at all. This is a book that spans an entire lifetime. And and to skip a few chapters, as we're doing this morning, sometimes means skipping several years. And so over the last few weeks, we have focused on the opening chapters of this book. And, And these chapters are a wonderful introduction to Isaiah they are an eye-opening account of what, God, of what is going on in the life of God's people. And then we see God's response 
to their actions. But now we turn to Isaiah 40 through 55, uh, which is a very different portion of the book of Isaiah. And these chapters comprise one long poem. In fact, I invite you over the coming weeks to maybe uh, take some time and just read uh, in in one setting Isaiah chapters 40 uh, through 55. uh, All of them go together. And, And this long poem is written to a people in captivity. The people of God are now captives um, because of their sinfulness. And they've lost their homes. They've lost the temple, which, is the, or which was the physical epicenter of their religion. They've been separated from friends and family. They've lost their nation. It no longer exists. And they now belong to Babylon. And so this poem comes at a very bleak time for the people of God. They have been punished for their sinfulness, and they are left without hope. They cannot even offer sacrifices to God because the, the, the place where they went to worship has been destroyed. And they are foreigners in a foreign land, and they have nothing to do except to mourn and lament their circumstances. And it's at this time that God sends his people this poem. And listen to the opening lines. This is what he instructs Isaiah. He says to Isaiah, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And so Israel is in the situation they are in because of the choices that they have made. They chose to disobey God. They chose to sin. They chose not to walk in the ways of God, and now they're suffering the consequences for all of that. And they have no one to blame but themselves. And it would have been perfectly reasonable for God to have abandoned them in captivity and to just leave them there. But we see that God doesn't. In fact, what we see here is that God sees the pain and suffering that his people have endured. He feels their hurt and he hears their cries. And this is why he tells Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people. And these are the very first lines of this magnificent poem that goes on for 16 chapters. And the first thing that God wants his people to know is that he sees them and that he hears them. And that he understands what it is they're going through. And he doesn't want them to suffer any longer. He wants them to be comforted. He wants their wounds to be healed. He wants their tears to be dried. You see, we do not serve a God that is distant. We don't serve a God that is uninvolved in our lives. We serve a personal God, a God who cares very uh, deeply about each of us. 
and, and he sees the trials that we all endure. And he understands the temptations that we face. He hears our prayers. And he desperately wants to comfort us in our distress. You know, when Jesus came to earth, he offered an invitation to us that, that echoes these very words found in Isaiah. When you read this passage, you might think of Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's the same message. God is the God of comfort. He longs to right our wrongs. He longs to redeem what is lost. He longs to mend what is broken. And this is the God that we serve. Right now, we live in a broken world. And the pain and suffering that, that we experience uh, does not come from God. It is the result of sin. God has a plan to reverse the curse of sin and to make all things right. But until that day, we need to understand that, that God is present in our misery and he is working to undo the mess that we find ourselves in. The beginning of healing and wholeness is forgiveness. And you see in those opening lines of the poem in Isaiah 40 that God says to Israel, her iniquity, that's just a, a big word for sin, her sin is pardon. And so Israel is in captivity because of her sins. But, but God doesn't seem to mean that, that Israel herself has paid the price for her own sins. He has something bigger in mind. And so this statement foreshadows what is to come. And if you sit down and you read this poem from chapter 40 all the way to chapter 55, you're going to see in, in, in the coming chapters that, that God will speak of a suffering servant who takes on the sins of others. Now, this is all still a mystery to Israel. But we can see that God is at work to offer forgiveness, not just to Israel, not just to that nation, but forgiveness to all. And the message being delivered to Israel is that God is coming. God is on the move. And he's not going to leave his people abandoned in a foreign land. And this is the focus of the next few verses. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And again, these are familiar words to many of us. They are words that are found in the opening lines of the Gospels. And they refer to John the Baptist who comes to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so as Israel 
sat in Babylonian captivity, it looked at that time as if there was no hope because everything had been taken from them. But then they received this message that, that God is on the move and that a way is being made in the wilderness and a highway is being laid in the desert and valleys are being lifted up and, and mountains are being made low and the uneven ground is being leveled and all the, the rough places are being made smooth. And the message here is that God is coming and that his glory is going to be revealed. And it's not just going to be revealed to Israel or just a, a few select people. We learn here that his glory is going to be revealed to all flesh. And this message can be trusted because it comes from the mouth of the Lord. And there's much we could say about this passage because we have the privilege of looking back on it. And so we see these words from a different perspective because we see them through the lens of the Messiah, through the lens of Jesus Christ. God shows up. And he shows up in a way that no one ever expected. John the Baptist prepares the way for the Lord and God takes on flesh and is born in a manger. And God enters into our brokenness. He walks those dusty roads of Galilee. He comes to show us how to live and he also comes to heal our brokenness. And it happens in the same way it did for Israel. It begins with forgiveness of sins. It begins by, by lifting this burden of sin that, that each of us carries with us, a burden that we cannot get rid of ourselves. It begins by setting us free from captivity because sin enslaves us. And by setting us free, God is also setting us on a new path, a path that leads to life and blessing. We cannot depend on ourselves when it comes to salvation. Israel got themselves into the mess that they are in and there was no way that they could get themselves out of that mess. They cannot save themselves. And in fact, God reminds them of this in the very next verses. He says, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh, all people is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And so trust is something that, that, that every generation wrestles with. And the question that we must ask ourselves is, what is it that we trust in? And people sometimes trust in themselves. You know, they, they, they look to themselves to uh, get themselves out of the mess they find themselves in. Or, or maybe they look to other people 
Maybe they look to a, a politician or a celebrity or, or, or maybe even someone in their own life. And, and with these words, God lets us know that humanity's going to always fail us. But there is something that we can trust in. We can trust in God's word. And what God says, that will always come true. Because God's always going to keep his word. And his word will never fail us. We're going to let ourselves down. Others are going to let us down. But God's word will never let us down. Sadly, we live in a time when some Christians are unwilling to put their trust in God's word. In fact, some are embarrassed by God's word. They don't like what it says. They're concerned it's not politically correct. And culture is having a a bigger influence on some Christians than God is. And this is a problem because when we abandon God and his word, we're left without hope. We cannot baptize Christianity in the culture in which we live and then expect it to save us. Because Christianity itself is countercultural. Christianity is an alternative to everything that is around us. Christianity saves us from the culture that we find ourselves in. And so be leery of, of anyone who makes a mockery of God's word because they're leading you away from salvation, not towards it. In fact, the word of God brings good news. The word of God is something to be celebrated, something that should fill our hearts with joy. And so God tells his people to to listen up because good news is on its way. The word gospel is not unique to the New Testament. The word gospel begins in the Old Testament. We find it in this passage. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news, herald of gospel. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, says to the cities of Judah. Behold your God, behold the Lord God comes with might. And his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Good news is coming from Zion. Good news is coming from Jerusalem. What is this good news? The Lord comes. And not just the Lord comes, the Lord comes with might. And he is going to rule instead of the the, the human governments that constantly fail us. But that's not all. God will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms. And so God is coming and we're told what this means. We're given a picture of God. God is strong and God is going to deal with the ungodly. He will act justly and righteously. 
In fact, here you get the image that God is this mighty warrior. He is a righteous king who will right the wrongs that have been committed against his people. At the same time, God is also a kind and loving shepherd. And he cares for his flock. He knows them by name and he takes them in his arms and he holds them next to him. And he gently leads his people. And so it's interesting that, that we find these, these two images for God and we find them side by side. God is a mighty warrior and God is a gentle shepherd. And for the people of God, for, for you and for me, we should find both of these images comforting. God is mighty and strong. He fights our battles for us. He protects us. He's going to ensure that, that, that all these wrongs that we experience in this lifetime, they're going to be righted. And God is also gentle and understanding. And He is patient and kind. And He is careful in how He, how he leads us and he's always nearby. This passage should encourage all followers of God. But if you're not a follower of God, it might be a little frightening. It is a frightening thing to come before God without the forgiveness that Jesus offers. And so God says to Isaiah, comfort Oh, comfort my people. And so I'd ask you this morning, are you in that number? Are you one of his people? Have you committed yourself to following Jesus? If not, then what are you waiting for? God is a kind shepherd who wants to gently lead you in the way that leads to blessing and life. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for the good news that we read here in Isaiah. We thank you that you are a mighty warrior who protects us and who fights our battles for us. We thank you that you are a kind and gentle shepherd who leads us and has patience uh, with us, Father. We're thankful that you do not abandon us. Even when we do wrong, even when we fall short or we sin, you do not leave us, but you're always there for us. So, Father, we pray that we would commit our lives to you, that we would always trust in you and not trust in other things, that when we face the trials of life, that we would not do so on our own, but that we would turn to you and that we would perhaps read passages like this one in Isaiah who remind us of who you are, Father. May we know that you are a mighty warrior, a mighty king, and a kind and gentle shepherd. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.